can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So our producer has sent us an article from Nine News. I've already seen this all over TikTok. Oh, it's all over TikTok. I love Mm -hmm. that you find everything on TikTok first. So was the video of the, there was a flight and someone got diarrhea and was hooing all over the plane. There was a Delta flight that had to get diverted back. Yes. To its original destination. I think it was only a couple of hours into the flight because someone quote the pilot said that there is diarrhea all over the plane so this person I saw a video of it on TikTok and obviously this person and I feel so sorry for them because this would be the most embarrassing thing you would ever go through TikTok's ruined your ability to have any privacy luckily this person's not in the video so you don't see them but you see the aisle which is shot from the other side of the aisle and you can still see the poo on the floor. Oh, my God. Obviously, it's a biohazard. So they had to turn the plane around because that would have stank. And also, you don't know what kind of bacteria is in that person's poo. Oh, my God. I feel really bad for this person. I'm assuming they have something like toileting issues because – you know, if it was just me, I would have tried to hold it. Don't you think that sounds like someone though that like I feel like someone that had a pre-existing condition would know maybe. Yeah. But if it just happened, like I've heard of cases of food poisoning. Someone that I had heard was trying clothes on in Mexico in a change room <laughs> and actually like completely shut all over the clothes. Oh my God. I think in that case, like if it just happens, it happens. It just comes out. Yeah. From food poisoning. Yeah. I did think to myself, maybe they were walking down the aisle towards the toilet and they just trusted a fart too much. Mm. And they were trying to crop dust the fart down the aisle as they went. And then they've actually not realized that they've like followed through. And it's obviously resulted in a lot of diarrhea in the cabin. I wonder how many flights have been turned around because of diarrhea. I reckon there would be at least a few. There'd be a few. Mm. But following this, I think because I watched so many TikToks on this particular story, I then got served another one that was an Air Canada flight Mm -hmm. where they were going from, I think it was Vegas to Montreal. And these two, it was a full flight. And these two people get on the flight and they're like, oh my God, it stinks. Like it smells like vomit. Like it's disgusting. And their seat and the seat butt was wet. And Mm -hmm. Then they realized that, like, looking closer at the floor and the seat, there was still, like, leftover vomit residue. And so then they, like, complained to the airline staff and they were kicked off their flight. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were the ones kicked off. Like, they were removed from the flight for complaining about the vomit. But then they were given, like, a blanket to put over the seat. Mm. But I could never, like, if I knew there was vomit underneath me, a blanket is not going to make me sit there for the whole flight. There's no way 
even without vomit there, I get my wet ones out and I wipe down all the seat and the tray table and the side things that you pull down. Like I'm next level on flats with hygiene and sanitize my hands like every half an hour. I just could never with vomit. I have vomited on a flight in the bathroom. It's so gross. Yeah. Trying to vomit into that toilet. Oh, it would be. It's making me feel a bit queasy thinking about it. Sorry to anyone that has metaphobia. <laughs> what? It's like a phobia of vomiting. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to anyone that has it, which should have given you a trigger warning. <laughs> I mean, they do, if they've listened to this podcast before, they know what we talk about in yeah, our yeah, true. Cringies. True, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and also if you have a phobia to tonsils, also don't keep listening because that show Tell the people what's on the episode. So as you mentioned, on today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Lucinda about tonsils. And then I'm going to talk you through how to save some money in your skincare routine before we do our products we didn't know we needed. Today, we have Dr. Lucinda back with us. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. And nice to see you back here as well, Joanna. It's been a little break without you. Thank you. Yeah, I missed all of your advice while I was away. I needed you a a few times, especially when I was medicating myself with gastro stock, (laughs) which I could have done with some Dr. Lucinda advice. But that's okay. That's not what we're talking about today for once. We're talking about tonsils. So... I'm really interested in this topic because I went through a phase where I was getting tonsillitis all the time. And every time I went overseas, I was getting tonsillitis and I actually took antibiotics with me overseas because I was like, surely I'm going to get tonsillitis at some point, but I didn't luckily. So I want to understand what actually is the purpose of our tonsils? Are they just there to get infected and really hurt our throats? Or like, what's the go? What do they do? So basically your tonsils are made up of similar tissue to that of your lymph nodes. And they're covered by this pink soft tissue called mucosa. And they basically work as part of your body's immune system to protect your body from infection entering either from the mouth or the nose area, basically. Well, so there is a barrier. Okay. For you, it seems like the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel like we're going to get into that later with some of our other questions Mm. as to what happens when you have them taken out. I actually wrote this question down because I was Googling, I think I was getting like inflamed tonsils all the time and I was in like a rabbit hole of like tonsils online Mm. and this thing called tonsil stones came up and I was like, what's that? Have you seen them on TikTok, Hannah? No, I don't really go on TikTok, so I don't know what. what, Do they show them on TikTok? TikTok. Yes, they show people get them out. <laughs> oh my. With like yeah. two tips. <gasps> okay, let's hear. What is a tonsil stone and like what are they? How to prevent them? Okay, well, tonsil stones are basically formed in the crypts of your tonsils. So not everyone has those kind of crypts, but they're kind of like these gaps that can form little holes and sometimes little channels through them. And they're basically made up of debris from surrounding dead cells, bacteria, some food, mucus and saliva. And basically what happens if they're sort of stuck there, they sort of sort of trap minerals such as calcium salts as well. And they just gradually get harder and form stones in time. But apparently, interestingly enough, they're actually thought to improve your immune system by blocking bacteria and viruses from entering Mm. the body. Can they give you bad breath though? Yes. 
Not always, yeah, but okay. they definitely can be a culprit for that. They're not usually sore, but sometimes they can be a little bit sore or uncomfortable. And in relation to preventing tonsil stones, good oral hygiene is a really big stepping stone in this. So for example, you know, making sure that you do brush your teeth twice a day and perhaps also after meals as well, as well as daily flossing. You can consider using a tongue scraper because people say that, you know, this helps get rid of the gunk and the germs that might contribute to stone forming and then when it comes to mouthwash so mouthwash can be considered but it's important to avoid alcohol-based or antibacterial ones because they actually disrupt the oral microbiome which can dry out your mouth and the alcohol-based ones specifically can actually lead to increased bacterial growth in your oral cavity and the tonsils so it's kind of best to stick to mouthwashes that aren't containing those things or even just sort of salt water solutions and then there's other things that we do in our lifestyle, such as smoking and alcohol. So these things, again, dry out your mouth and your tonsils and can increase the risk of tonsil stones developing. I didn't know that about mouthwashes. I'm going to go and check the one that I have at home. Yeah. Just to see if it's got alcohol in it. There you go. Yeah, cut that out. <laughs> mm, absolutely. <laughs> I can't believe people on TikTok are showing this. Mm. Yeah. And mm. people seem to have a lot of them too. It made me go and look down my throat because I was like, <laughs> what if I have these lingering there and I don't realize? Some people are really prone to having like quite a few of them. And I think it's more so if you've got really big, deep crypts in your tonsils yes. themselves. And so, you know, you'll see people pushing them with like a q-tip or trying to get a syringe which might have like a blunt needle at the end and like really squirting some water at the back of the throat to try and get them out so yeah it can be a right pain for some people for sure if you're interested in this i do recommend looking up tonsil stones on tiktok but do not do if you've got a weak stomach don't don't even do it (laughs) i'm not going to yeah it's not great now i mentioned before dr lucinda that i used to get tonsillitis a fair bit Mm. why are some of us so prone to tonsillitis and others aren't well you know other than if you've got these big sort of tonsil crypts or you know if you've had radiation treatment to that area in the past it's actually a bit of a mystery so some more recent research is suggesting that you may develop a potential resistance to antibiotics with these specific bacteria and then sometimes it's interesting because we were told you know years and years ago there was absolutely no genetic component but now they're wondering whether or not there might be a genetic component involved where there might be an insufficient immune response to these specific bacteria that cause tonsillitis so oh. do you know if you've had a family history of tonsillitis as well no. Okay. Not that I know of. Other than that, it is genuinely still in the mystery bag. And so we're not quite sure, but there's those recent bits of research and there's a lot more research going into it as well. And how many bouts of tonsillitis do you need for a doctor to recommend that you have your tonsils out? Realistically, it's about seven infections in a year. Okay. Or five infections per year over two years or three infections per year over three consecutive years. Okay. Or like if you're a kid and you've missed more than two weeks from school for it. Right. And the reason for that is that, you know, there's pros and cons of doing any kind of procedures. So removing tonsils, you know, is is a big procedure to have and doesn't come without risks as well. Mm. So it has to have a dramatic impact on your life to really warrant sort of removing, you could say, an important part of your immune system, if Mm. that makes sense. And if you do get them removed, are you then more likely to get other kinds of infections or viruses if there are no tonsils there? So 
It's a very, very interesting question. And originally, it wasn't thought to be linked to anything like that. But again, more research is showing us that you can have an increased risk of developing upper respiratory tract diseases, including even things like asthma, influenza, pneumonia, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, otherwise known as COPD, and other sort of conditions like chronic bronchitis and emphysema, which is sort of inflammation of the lungs. So there can be an increased risk. And that's sort of later down the track. So it is a really interesting all of the research getting done into this now. And again, this is something that mm. is having more and more research put into it. And they wonder whether or not it's related to a potential alteration of a specific immune cell that then reduces after having your tonsils removed. But again, more research is awaited on that. Do you think it was because it was something that was more popular in the past and then it's no longer popular? So are they just sort of finding out now? Yes, absolutely. So that is a very, very good point. I think because they are being a lot more uh, careful about how many people are going for tonsillectomies, mm. because I think it used to just be like, you know, even with if you think about having like a dental tooth extraction, you know, back in the day, you know, oh, there's a problem whip them all out, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So medicine's changed so much, you know, in the last couple of years and decades for sure. Yeah. So yeah, very much that. Hannah? <laughs> Putting aside the immune side of tonsils, is there a link between tonsils and like sleep related breathing issues? Are they related to sleep apnea? I don't know why I thought that, but I feel like they are. Yeah, that's actually really good logical judgment there. It's, well, if you can imagine, so your tonsils are situated at the back of your throat. Mm -hmm. And if they're enlarged, they're going to alter the way in which you can breathe. Yeah. And you get those people where sometimes at a normal point where they haven't got any inflammation or infection, the tonsils are very close uh, to almost touching each other. And so those people, as soon as you lie down, your actual airway gets more compressed anyways. And so that's going to make you at increased risk of breathing problems whilst you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So increased risk of sleep apnea for sure with that. Mm. Thanks for joining us again, Dr. Lucina. That was very helpful as always. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Saving money in your skincare routine, Hannah, I feel like we've spoken about this on a few occasions, but I think it's particularly important now that it is just ridiculously expensive to just even be alive. So we've spoken before about, you know, saving money on your cleanser and moisturizer, which I will reiterate is a really good way to save money in your skincare routine by using a cheaper cleanser that's only on your face for a short period of time and also a cheaper moisturizer because there's some really good affordable moisturizers out there. Two of my current faves are the Bioderma Sensor Biodefensive and the Ordinary's Natural Moisturizing Factors plus Phytoceramides. I'll put in Viviology, Viviology Ceramide. Yeah, Viviology Ceramide Moisturizer. Yeah, that's 45, mm -hmm. I think. And they've got a, a big one now as well. And they've got a big boy. So that's the first thing I would say is more affordable cleanser, more affordable moisturizer. Spend your money on your active serums. I'm obviously a bit of a cosmeceutical snob and I prefer to buy cosmeceutical brands, but it's a long-term investment in your skin. So if you're using high quality, potent serums, you're going to get better results on your skin and require less treatment down the path, if that makes sense. So for example, if you're using a really good vitamin C now to prevent pigmentation, you're probably not going to have to look into laser treatment in 10 years time because you've got 
pigmentation that's gotten out of control. Also, on that note, SPF is an investment in your skincare routine as well. So using an SPF every single day is obviously very important. Our audience already know that though, so I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. I will say on that point of the prevention of the pigmentation, mm. I think that because when I first started Adore, my pigmentation was out of control. And now because I use good quality skincare so regularly, like I don't find I have any problems now with pigmentation yeah. or like visible, like the melasma, like everything, mm-hmm. it kind of just keeps my skin so then I don't have to get skin treatments. Yes, exactly. To then correct or like chemical peels because like I'm already doing the work at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you'll save money in the long term, but it's not going to be cheap in the short term. Yeah. So you've got to decide what you're willing to spend and everyone's going to be different. Some people are going to be willing to buy SkinCeutical C for a week every three months. Others might look at something more like Viviology price point and that's mm-hmm. fine. You need to review your skincare collection for double ups. Something I see all the time performing skin consults is clients having two or three products that are basically the same thing. You need to understand what your products are doing and what ingredients are in your products before you start buying other stuff that you're being influenced to buy by someone on TikTok or your friend has it and said it was really good. If you've already got a salicylic acid product in your routine and you go and buy another one, you're on the road to barrier impairment and you're also wasting money. So Mm. understand what ingredients are in your products and what they're there for and what they do to your skin so that you can better understand what needs to be in your routine and what doesn't need to be. I always see people with like multiple vitamin Bs and hyaluronic acids because they don't realize that their really good vitamin B serum that they're spending a fair bit of money on also has hyaluronic acid in it. So they don't need a separate one. If they're using that one twice a day, they don't need a separate hyaluronic acid on top of it. So there's lots of different ways that you can save money there. And it could be worth having a consultation with a dermal therapist as well, just to figure out what's actually necessary in your routine and where you might be able to drop a couple of products out. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention was nurturing your barrier. So avoiding ultra drying ingredients, not overdoing it with abrasive products and treatments. Microdermabrasion is a really good example of that. I just see so many people impair their barrier from that and keeping your skin well hydrated that should ensure that your barrier is functioning as it should be so when your barrier is keeping the good stuff in and the bad stuff out your skin's going to be in a much better condition it's going to respond to your products a lot better you're going to have less concerns popping up and when you do have an impaired barrier you might be red flaky sensitized all these different things that are going to make you want to go and shop for skincare because you're trying to fix a problem Mm. and when there's no problems there because your barrier is functioning as it should be you're not spending as much on skincare so I feel like there's some hidden ways that you may be able to save money on your skincare I've got one get a job at a door and then you'll get 40% (laughs) off like me (laughs) yes exactly always look out for discounts well I was gonna say if you're on the adore email list that's a really good way because you'll always know when things are on sale or we've got click frenzy or whatever's running exactly you'll know yeah or you've got a goodie bag and then you can try a product and make sure you actually like it before you buy it I feel like sampling is really good for that and trying samples is a great way to not waste money on products because the amount of products I've tried myself that I use three times and I'm like uh I just don't like this. I don't like the texture or I don't like the finish on my skin. I'm not going to continue using it and I'll give it to someone else. But that's like wastage. And if I was buying that product myself, I'd be more inclined to want to finish it to the end. But if it's not right for me, I don't want to continue using that. 
And then do you also think that people buy so many different serums that they could pair, like if they're trying to save money on not having so many ingredients, like what would you say the top, if they could only buy two serums, what would they buy? Mm. Oh, that's hard because it does depend on their skin type and their concerns. Like ingredient? Niacinamide. Yeah. Can I say on the niacinamide front, because this happened while you were away, mm. I was trying this new skin SkinCeuticals. It's got niacinamide in it. And I was like actually blown away because I wasn't using anything else. I was just really using that for like probably like a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, my pores, like Mm. smooth, Mm. like reduce the appearance of my pores. I couldn't believe how effective. I mean, it was SkinCeuticals, but I actually was shocked. (laughs) Yeah, it really is just one of those ingredients. Everyone talks about how effective vitamin C and retinol is, but niacinamide has so many benefits. Yeah. Like it regulates oil production. It helps with radiance. It helps with hydration. It helps with the barrier, like all these different things it helps to support. And I feel like it can really transform a skin. If you've never used any actives before and you've just had like a basic cleanser or moisturizer, niacinamide is just a great entry point for anyone. And it's going to be suitable for all skin types and all concerns, unless you're allergic to it. And then you're probably going to have a problem. And then after niacinamide, I'd obviously have to say retinol. Yeah, I was going to say vitamin A. Yeah. Mm. But starting low and slow, don't get carried away, as we've spoken about before. And I'm sure you probably spoke about that with Cara while I was away. But yeah, retinol is an amazing ingredient and very well studied too. So the benefits, the long-term benefits of retinol usage are very widely known. So yeah, I would probably say those two. And then you're SPF, daily SPF. Yeah. Do you think that spending money on SPF is a good idea? Because I mean, I do. I don't think you necessarily need to spend, you need to spend money on it to purchase it, but I don't necessarily think you need to buy the expensive brands because there are some more affordable brands that you can get that have really nice textures and everyone's just getting better at doing facial sunscreen now. Like 10 years ago, you wouldn't hear about it, but Everyone's getting better at doing facial sunscreen. So you don't need to spend that amount. I will say though, I went and bought, I was away and I went and bought a cheaper like mineral. I think it was a mineral. I can't remember. And it stunk so bad. I had to throw it away. See, I'm all for (laughs) buying the sunscreen that you want to wear every day. If that sunscreen's $60 and you're going to wear it every day because you like it and you like the finish of it, you like the smell of it, please spend the money on it. But if it doesn't bother you and you like one that's $8, great, perfect. You don't need to use the $60 one. It's not going to be any different. They're both going to have UV filters in them. They're both going to protect your skin as long as they're SPF 50 plus. So, I mean, you definitely need to invest in a sunscreen that everyone says that though. We're like broken records saying that now. If, if yep. you're listening to this podcast and not using SPF. You must be sick of it. You yeah. must be sick of us saying it. <laughs> I want to know, Joe. what are your like top three affordable actual products? Like what would you say in your top three of affordable products that you love? Oh, so I, I don't know if I can pick specific products, but my favorite affordable brands would have to be Bioderma, La Roche-Posay, 
and maybe Hadalavo. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, which is really rogue of me, but I genuinely think they've got some great products. Have you tried their new retinol cream? No, I okay. haven't. Should I? Do you have it? No, I haven't tried it, but I do uh, really love their hyaluronic acid products. And I would say, I mean, most people really, in terms of like the ordinary, people love the ordinary, but yeah, you just have to buy so many different serums yes. to get all the active ingredients yeah. is the only caveat. And then obviously Viviology, I also love Bioderma and agree on the La Roche-Posay, like really great serums. La Roche-Posay is probably one of the only brands and there's a couple of them like SkinCeuticals is another where I could use that entire brand and nothing else. Yep, same. Like that brand ticks all the boxes for me and I wouldn't need anything else. Like I would miss my other products but I would feel like I had a full complete routine and I wouldn't be that sad about it. Because they do nice moisturizers, great cleansers. Exactly. Oh, my God. The other one that I'm loving is CeraVe. Yes. Yeah. That would be another one on the yeah affordable list. If you're trying to save some cash and you want to switch your whole routine over to one brand, I would definitely suggest that mix of brands, like even just shopping from each of those for different things. Yeah. There's some great options within those ranges and much more on the affordable end of the scale. Product. Mine is Rogue today. What is yours? Okay, so this isn't really for my skin type, but what had happened was, I mean, it's for anyone's skin type, so that's not true, but it is probably more for like sensitive, dry skin. So I was feeling like my skin was kind of feeling really sensitive and I was in my bag of products that I had that I hadn't tried yet. And I had sort of like put this aside and was like, nah, like I'm not going to try mm-hmm. that because it's not really something that I don't know. I, I don't Honestly, I don't know why. I ended up having like quite red and like sensitive skin. And so I was like, I'm going to try this gel mask. And it's the Jojoba Company Pure Jojoba Gel Mask. And I put it on and it was actually so nice. It's only $35. I haven't tried anything from this brand and I'm really keen to. Yeah. So what I really liked about it, it had this like cooling effect to it. So it kind of cooled my skin down. It wasn't heavy. Maybe I was expecting it. It is a gel mask. So it said for intensive moisturization. So I didn't know what to expect, but it was actually really lightweight for a Mm, mask. So it didn't feel really heavy and it was soothing and hydrating. So I felt like for $35 for the pot, I was actually super happy with it and actually used it again after that. That's cheap. Yeah. And actually, if you go, I went to their website because I was like, I wonder what other people are saying about it. And I guess people with really dry skin love it. And they're just like, my skin felt really Mm -hmm. plump the next day. Like I have really dry, sensitive skin. So not that I would generally use something for dry and sensitive skin, but I, at that time, felt like I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. And the reviews are, like, really great about it. I think people do love this brand. Yeah, they do. It's one of those brands that if you've used it, you're obsessed with it. That's what I hear. Yeah, I reckon I really recommend this if you've got sensitive skin and you need a big drink of water for your skin every now and then and you want a mask. I think you can leave it on as a moisturizer as well at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. I was really pleasantly surprised. I really need to try that brand because Sadaf always raves about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I need to need to see what the fuss is about. It didn't launch that long ago on a door, did it? No, no. It was maybe like um, maybe six months ago now, maybe less. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's already pretty popular, so 
it must be good. My product today is one that I mentioned, I think it was last week's episode in my hair care lineup for while I was away. I took the Virtue Healing Oil, which is 50 mils. It's 64 bucks. So it's definitely on the more pricey end of the spectrum, but it comes in a pretty small bottle. So the reason that I took it, as I said, was because my Kerastase Elixirol team bottle was just too big to fit in my plastic Ziploc bag. So I took this. I've used Virtue's recovery shampoo for many years and I absolutely love it. I always recommend it to people with damaged hair if they're like, oh, my hair's really dry or my hair's just like not reacting with any shampoos. Like it's not responding well to any shampoos. I'm like, get the recovery shampoo is the best because it's got this alpha keratin 60KU protein in it. All their products do. This oil in particular, though, smells so good. So does their six-in-one styler. I absolutely love the smell of these products. Shampoo smells like caramel, like chocolate caramel. But this oil is particularly beautiful and it's really lightweight and the packaging's really good because it's only got a tiny little hole at the top. So you don't pour like a heap of oil into your hands. You just kind of shake the bottle and you'd get a few drops out. So you don't waste a heap of product either, which is really good for a product that's that expensive. You don't want to be wasting it. So it repairs, it strengthens and protects the hair. And I used it in both wet and dry hair. And to slick my hair back, I would put it in my hair before I went in the pool. Yeah, I just used it for anything really, but it just kept my hair in such good condition. My hair was completely like perfect when I got back. No dryness, no real changes to color. It was great. So I think this had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I feel like I've heard Sadaf talk about this a lot and I really want to try it. Yeah, it's got a lot of five-star reviews, so not surprising because I really, really enjoyed it and will continue to use it. It's also got vitamin E and Tahitian gardenia extract and Kalahari melon seed oil, which I, I can't tell you what any of those do, but it says it's fragrance with nurturing creamy coconut, refreshing yuzu and warm woods. So if that tells you anything about the kind of smell of this product, oh, it's just heavenly. It stays in your hair as well. You know, when it lingers and you can smell it as you're like walking around. Yeah, I love that. So I definitely recommend this product, but it is a little bit pricey. So it might need to go on the wish list. So Joanna, there was a Facebook group comment that I read and I was a bit late to it. So I didn't actually reply to them mm-hmm. saying ha ha because I felt like I was like eight days late, but <laughs> I'm going to ha ha now on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> someone said, I was wondering how my Christopher Barnes scalp scrub was dwindling down so quickly because I only use it once a fortnight. My husband shows me in the shower tonight the really nice foot scrub he has been helping himself to. I'm horrified and I was going to look at how much this foot scrub is. It's $71. I know. For the cleansing scrub for the scalp. Can you imagine? The audacity of some men, honestly, to not even (laughs) read the packaging and see that that was not for his feet. And also, I'm sorry, something that smells that good is not going to be for your feet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of like an example of something like my boyfriend's done that's on par with that. I think that he probably, I'm trying to think, he's probably used a cleanser as a body moisturizer, I'm sure, but 
hasn't told me. Have you got any examples? No. So my boyfriend won't use anything without instruction. So oh, he knows not to he's touch been anything. Trained. That he's Yeah, that he's not allowed to. So he will specifically ask like, oh, if he's run out of shampoo, he'll be like, which one in the shower can I use? Because he knows that there's special ones that he's not allowed to touch. So yeah, he follows the rules, which is good. You can't have them going rogue. Wait, I did have an example. It's just popped out of my head. He was using my Alpha H. I think I've said this, the Alpha H, like really nice face oil as a beard oil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He used up the whole thing. Fine. Oh, yeah. that's not really okay. <laughs> yeah. Leave some for the rest of us. <laughs> so I did find him another facial oil and so he's still using that. Okay. But maybe that's why I don't get Pash Rash because he's got such a nice yes. like Alpha it H It probably oil. helped you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. And then someone else commented on this post, that's not as bad as my husband. Bought myself a nail cleaning brush for my hands only to find a couple of weeks later my husband is using it for his toenails. It's his cleaning brush now. I could go on a whole spiel about men, but I I won't right now. (laughs) (laughs) Now's not the time, but... Yeah. I'm actually surprised he's using a like a brush to clean his toes. Like that's Same. a win. That's a win that he's actually <laughs> like I love that they've got such good foot hygiene. Like they're both these guys are like great with foot hygiene. They're creative. They're creative is all I'll say. But it's the fact that these things appear in the bathroom or the shower and they just go, oh, that's for me. Yeah. No, it's not. It was never for you. Stay away from it. Unless you've been told it's for you, stay away is my motto. Also, while we've got you, we would love for you to support us by voting for us in the Listener's Choice category in the Australian Podcast Awards. You'll just need to go to australianpodcastawards.com slash voting and vote for Beauty IQ Uncensored before the 7th of November 2023. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.